I guess the first thing to say is Happy New Year. Of course, if you're a patron listening to this two weeks before it is released, that's going to be weird. But, you know, here we are. It's the New Year episode and, oh, I've got a treat for you today. Jay's gonna bring me back Give me a plus one to attack Oh, 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 I want to come back to the dice Hello Rescuers, in what I hope will be the first of many interviews of this particular season, I've got my first guest, Christopher R. Rice, hails from Portsmouth, Virginia and is constantly writing, tinkering with, and running GURPS. A frequent contributor to Steve Jackson Games' Dungeon Fantasy and Pyramid, if he's not writing for GURPS, he's probably blogging about it. His site, Ravens and Pennies, is well-stocked with more GURPS goodies than you could shake a stick at. And today, he came on to talk about his recent, when I say recent, March 2021 release of Realm Management, which is a tool for essentially building your campaign realms, whether it be a small village all the way through to a galactic empire in descriptive terms and in ways that actually empower the players to get their characters involved in using those entities. It's fascinating to talk about and, well, I hope you'll enjoy it. Please don't be put off if you're not into GURPS. I think Christopher's conversation with me is applicable to anybody who's a role player. And, well, yeah, I'll shut up and let you get on with it. So here we are. It's a New Year treat. I hope you're well, and I wish you all the best for 2022. Let's talk to Christopher. So welcome, Christopher R. Rice, back to Roleplay Rescue. Good to have you on board. It's good to be back. So, yeah, thanks so much for coming on the show, Christopher. I really do appreciate you coming um, onto the show and having a chat with us. I know that we want to have a little natter about uh, realm management, um, which was sort of recently, well, fairly recently released. Um, March. End of March. Wow. Is it that far back? Crikey. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's just one of those. I mean, I know it was something that was a sort of heart and soul t- um, sort of project for you, really, over a very, very long period of time, as, well, as far as I can gather. Um, tell us a little bit about it. Ooh, one of the hardest things I've ever written. Mm-hmm. Everything I thought I knew about economies and kingdoms and everything that lay in between, I knew nothing. Right. Like absolutely nothing. And that that really sucked because I spent a lot of time in 2017 just reading, mm-hmm. doing nothing but reading books mm-hmm. on um ancient economies and civilizations and how people approach problems and technologies that were available and anything i could get my hands on from the regular library and then i could get for cheap off of ebay i did Mm -hmm. i have a stack of books over to the right of me Mm -hmm. um that is basically the realm management reading stack and it's about four feet tall wow (laughs) and it's that didn't even it didn't even scratch the surface. That's the thing that really bothered me the most once I had finished, right, 
writing the first draft, I realized that it was okay, but I had to do better. Mm. Um, and that really is terrible when you realize that. I mean, it's just utterly, incom- it's, it's like falling down mm. and you're not sure if you want to get back up. But I did. I got back up and I did the smart thing instead of being a prideful, uh, egocentric writer. Um, I went and asked people I knew who had the answers questions. Mm. And if they didn't have the answers, they knew locations for me to check that would have the answers. And I spent more time researching this book than I did just about anything else. Mm. Um, my, my notes tell me I spent over 800 hours of book research. Wow. That is 800 hours sitting at a desk or in bed or wherever reading. <laughs> I keep track of that because I have other, I, I like to keep track of where I spend my hours so that maybe I can do better. Um, you know, if I see a particular project runs a, you know, a particular way, maybe I can mm-hmm. own up on a particular uh, problem that I was having with it. Um right. So I spent a lot of time researching and then I spent a whole lot of time writing. My first draft was 700 hours, mm-hmm. almost as many as writing. Um, and it wasn't terrible, but it was not up to par what it needed to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were holes in it that needed to be filled. Like I'm thinking mostly of the carrying capacity issue. Uh, the final thing that we went with for carrying capacity was just a number to kind of get the GM in the ballpark of how things work. Mm-hmm. I decided that I wasn't going to get more complicated than necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, my mandate for realm management was a storytelling aid, not a bean counting system. Right. And I feel that, and it, this is, I'm not digging at other systems or the things that people like so your listeners whoever you are i am not trying to say that one system is crap over another but i feel that realm management is can become a mini game and that detracts from the whole idea of what you're doing as a role-playing game the idea is to role play not to roll dice Hmm. Uh, and i'm very much in that that group of people that feels that way and i write i write to those people because that's how I run and that's how I write. That's not to say that I don't do things that are complicated or weird. It's just that I really prefer to have anything I write be an additive to the game's storytelling mechanisms, whatever they are, versus detracting you from storytelling with rolling dice or looking at tables. So what problem does realm management solve for you know the role-playing GM or the role-playing player? It lets you run a kingdom. And, mm-hmm. it, and a kingdom can be as small as a village yeah. or as large as an intergalactic empire. Okay. So this crosses genre as well. A genre setting, whatever it, it, mm. it puts everything in a generic enough format that you should be able to design a campaign mm-hmm. um, and use realm management to run whatever nations, realms or kingdoms are there. Mm. And you should, it should, it should be fairly easy. I had my sister who was not a gamer um, go through my second to final manuscript and I had her recreate my city uh, mm-hmm. that I live in Portsmouth right. and she did it pretty well and she did it in like 40 minutes right. 
Um, and she's not a gamer. So that she's, she's usually the person I go to when I have a, a big project. It's like, I don't know if this is going to work and I need a non-gamer's <laughs> opinion. Yeah. So she, she looks at it and she tries to, to go along and I'm there to, you know, kind of help her, but she, she figured it out in like 40, 45 minutes. Hmm. Um, so it's not, a, it's not a hard system to learn. It can get more complicated the bigger something is, though, because you have to, there's more elements to keep track of. Hmm. But you can use it in any game system if you really wanted to. Mm-hmm. It, the hole that it fills for GURP specifically is for people who are running, you know, like post apocalyptic games and they want to create settlements in the game. Hmm. Or, you know, they're running a fantasy game campaign and the, the king has given them a barony. Well, hmm. what do you do with that? Hmm. Realm management solves that problem. It, it, it gives you an answer to that question. You write it up, and then whenever it becomes something that needs to happen uh, in the game, it can happen in the game. Otherwise, you can just ignore it if you want to. Hmm. And I think that is a stupendous ad. You combine it with mass combat and boardrooms and curio, and you effectively have a system where you can have armies versus nations versus corporations mm-hmm. and that's cool yeah sounds very yeah. broad and what's interesting to me um just listening to this is society you said it, it's like it's applicable as a series of ideas even even outside of GURPS I think a lot of times people forget that most of the GURPS products actually uh, you know there being this generic universal role-playing system are highly applicable to um, you know other systems, even though obviously GURPS is the best. Obviously, um, <laughs> you know though we were top twenty three in the OR report. I was reading that today. I was really surprised. Mm-hmm. Like two point one percent of people actually play GURPS on roll twenty. So mm. that's um, cool. But yeah, it is something that can be used outside of GURPS, and it is something that I think isn't really out there. It, a lot of the the realm management type systems are for fantasy. Mm-hmm. You know, you have Pathfinder Kingmaker, and then you have Adventure Conqueror King. Yeah. And those really are for fantasy. Realm management is you want to write up a post-apocalyptic settlement, you can do that. You want to have a orbiting space station uh, with not Vorlons, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it can do just about anything because of the way the mechanics function and the mechanics function in a descriptive rather than prescriptive method. That is, you can take the description of a thing and then turn it into a mechanic. Hmm. And I built it from the beginning that way. That way I figured people could use it in other systems if they really wanted to. Hmm. And it's fun too. I mean, you can, if you really wanted to, you could sit down and you could role play the kingdoms themselves. You, you could have a, a, a game that's just nothing but you role-playing the kingdoms and how they would react to just the things that would, other kingdoms are doing to them. And, you know, and well-reviewed. I mean, so far it's got 31 five-stars from Warehouse 23, so that's not too bad. And I've sold quite a few copies. I just want to sell more. Hmm. It's not, not necessarily for the money, uh, um, even though, you know, starving writer. Um, <laughs> it's, it's more to show, hey, look, people want this. This is something they want, and we should totally do it. Mm. Um, and I think this is the point of our conversation for me anyway is to sort of get the word out about that particular um, thing because as you've said there there is a very limited range of this kind of tool out there 
Um, so even for the non-GURPS player, you know, to actually go and look at realm management and and think about like you know how you can enrich a campaign with this um, like this kind of level of game, really, um, you know, it's it's interesting. Uh, I rather thought so, and you know, the other books that uh, realm management builds on, um, I'm thinking specifically of Mass Combat and Boardrooms and Curia. Mm-hmm. Those are things that you could probably use in just about any campaign and in just about any game system hmm. to describe business entities or realm agents um, to hmm. kind of, it's kind of to give life to the the larger uh, collectives of beings in your campaign world, hmm. you know, and, and it, I feel that having such entities be described in a way that is like a character helps to anthropomorphize them some a little bit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there, there's there's definitely ways that um, it can be used in other systems. You know, the only book that I can really think of that you need for realm management to use outside of a GURPS game is the, the basic campaigns book for GURPS mm. um, because that has the um, information on control ratings in there. That's it. Right. Everything else is right off the box. How have you used it? I have used it once in a martial arts campaign mm-hmm. where I described a province that was too far to the north that suddenly found a bonanza of uh, what amounts to unobtainium in yep. a volcano. <laughs> and it, the, the, the players didn't use it as much as I would have liked, but I did use it behind the scenes. Uh, enough to where it was a useful product. I would like, I would like to do something in the post-apocalypse. Hmm. Um, my players really aren't fond of that genre, right. for the most part, because it kind of, you know, when you, you're playing a post-apocalypse game, it it can become mid-season Walking Dead real fast. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's hopeless, and there's nothing to do, and everything sucks. <laughs> It, it can hit that note really fast, and that is a note that you just never really want to hit unless it's intentional in a post-apocalypse game, in a role-playing game, really. Nobody yeah. wants to play sad punk. Right. Uh, period. They just don't. Not well. I mean, most most people don't want to play sad punk. Hmm. Uh, I have found that most gamers. Sorry about that. Most gamers want to <laughs> escape. Uh, their real life and their real life isn't usually too uh, perfect or grand in all ways. So sad, sad punk is just not something that I've seen very common around the game table. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I would love to do that for like a post-apocalyptic game of some variety. And I don't know what it would involve, probably Cthulhu monsters and magic. Cause you know, I love those things. Hmm. I was wondering if um, is a way we could like talk through how realm management work as kind of, maybe a little bit of a talk through a worked example or something, you know, that we could just help the listener understand what's going to make a difference here. I can absolutely do that. It can get a little complicated. Mm-hmm. We'll probably walk through the good example that we have there. I spent a lot of time on that example. <laughs> well, any good example is going to be, you know, going to require time, isn't it? I actually wasn't going to have one in there originally. And then my editor before I send it in, um, Elizabeth Archangel Beth McCoy. She was like, you need an example. <laughs> I was like, but I don't want an example. She's like, that's not what it, that, that doesn't matter. She's like, you need one. I was like, okay, it's going to add like 2000 words to this. 
Um, <laughs> but she, it turned out she was right. She was, she was totally right. Yeah. Um, it needed an example. People have commented on the example before. So, hmm. um, one of the first things you, you do when you create a realm is you figure out how big it's going to be. And that's, that's where your realm size comes into account. Hmm. Realm size is effectively from zero all the way to plus 36. So zero is a village and surrounding lands. Mm -hmm. Plus 36 is the Milky Way galaxy. Okay. (laughs) Um, So there's stuff in between. So you can have a galactic empire, an interplanetary state, a planet, a large nation. For for example, the United States is considered a plus 21 size realm. Um, Okay. Uh, something like Vatican City is minus one. Mm-hmm. So there's that. So once you figure out how big it is, and this is done using um, square miles, when it gets big enough, it goes into planets, but that's mm-hmm. only the last two. So it, it, used to, it uses a common descriptor so that mm-hmm. you can easily, okay, I want it to be the size of France. Okay, France is a large nation with about 50,000 square miles. That's a plus 17. Mm-hmm. There are examples with their adjusted values since you can have a value that is below or above. Like you go theoretically go down to like minus three. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can go above uh, plus 36. Like if you have a, a, a multi-galactic empire, then you would have to go higher than that. Mm-hmm. Um so once you have the size down, you have your realm size value, mm-hmm. which helps you get a handle on what's what. That will tell you how big it is, which tells you how many people you could put in theoretically in carrying capacity mm-hmm. Popu- the, with the population. And the population then tells you a bunch of other stuff, which we'll get to. You also have these things called resource points. And mm-hmm. resource points let you do... Resource points in GURP speak are hit points and fatigue. They are both how much, how many actions you can perform on a particular thing and also how much you can take if somebody does something to you. Mm-hmm. So you have agriculture points, luxury precious good points, natural resources points, and workforce points. So lux- luxury precious good points are basically another form of wealth for now. They are going to have, if I write another book, they, I have a very clear and concise way I'm going to be using those. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they are anything from tulips during the tulip craze yeah. to pearls to what other wackiness that people collect. I want to say there was an apple craze too. Anyways, that's that. Natural resources are things like lumber and stone and animal hides, yeah, uh, things of that nature. Agriculture points are a combination of crops and animal husbandry. And of course, workforce points is how many people you have that you can put onto an extra task. Right. Um, it, it is one of the things that realm management assumes is that the realm functions even with zero realm resource points and without money coming in mm-hmm. um, because it's consuming a certain amount of resources just to stay alive that it produces. Mm-hmm. In the original draft, I had it so you had to spend agriculture points every turn. That was messy. It was too gamist and it was just too messy. Yeah. Um, so in the final draft, agriculture points are a way to stave off a famine if you have a famine, which is a mm-hmm. fairly common um, issue. And it can also be traded to other realms that need them. So it's kind of a basis for trade or for staving off disasters and such kind of events. Yes. Yeah. 
So I'm looking, I mean, I've looked at the book now and um, I can see the Necro Kingdom of Zarthus as an example there, along with the New Venetian Republic and the Hegemony. And yeah, I mean, it's like a small stat block, really. I mean, you know, there's a number of items on it, but you're talking like the hegemony I'm looking at right now is about, what, heart and a little over half a page, perhaps, um, yeah. you know, in print. And, you know, yeah, <laughs> nice and easy to get your head around, I think. Uh, we work, well, I don't I don't say we. Nikki, the layout artist for Steve Jackson Games, God love her. Mm. She's amazing. I love that woman. She was the one that came, kind of came up with this in the final sheet in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, we really dickered back and forth on what things needed to be first. You know, mm-hmm. GURPS is a very if this, then this system. <laughs> yeah. And that is a philosophy that carries through even to their game mechanics for the stats. Mm-hmm. So that is something that we kept in mind when we were doing this. So, but yeah, the 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 Necro Kingdom of Zarthus is mm-hmm. interesting. Like you've you've got... Uh, its total population is pretty high, even though uh, overall uh, it's not really that big. It's only about 160,000 square miles. That's not, that's, that's not as much as you would think. That's less than Texas. Right. Yeah, so Texas is 268,597 square meters. So it's smaller than Texas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. But they have things like infrastructure rating, which is the physical infrastructure of the kingdom, you know, their railways, their roads, mm. um, and more modern technology levels. It also includes things like broadband internet, um, telegraphs, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. You got your control rating, which is basically how aggressive a given realm is over its people in regards to laws. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a zero control rating is just anarchy. And mm. while a six is everything including food requires you to have clearance effectively conformity is how well the population of a city or realm cues to its government so if it's got a conformity rating that's really high then it's it's in lockstep with its government's got it low there's obviously some problems and you know things need Mm -hmm. to be changed openness rating is just how open they are to foreigners um, and originally I was going to consider cutting that and I did cut the other thing, which was a faith rating. I felt that mm-hmm. having a, a faith rating was putting down uh, a completely complex topic into a single digit. And like, <laughs> yes, you can do that, but I'm not mm-hmm. going to. Um, I, 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 f- I felt that it was just too much. Um so the openness rating is basically how how friendly they are to foreigners and how much they welcome them in, and mm-hmm. uh, that can you can have completely xenophobic populations, which you know they they will happily bring out the pitchforks and the torches on you if you <laughs> do not leave. Um, I have I must have put fifty different types of governments in here. Uh, some governments mm-hmm. that never were, some mm-hmm. that were from fiction. All of them have examples from the real world and from pop culture about mm. what qualifies as a particular type of government. Mm. Um, I have a couple dozen economy types all the way from traditional to, you know, capitalistic mm. and fun stuff. Um, defense bonus and terrain is mostly for mass combat, but mm. you can easily translate that over. Um, 
education rating is kind of the same thing, like to determine how educated the average person is. Hmm. Uh, one or zero being not very, uh, and to almost complete illiteracy to six being universal literacy and uh, everybody has got some sort of skill or trade that they can do. Hmm. Um, management skill is basically how well the government runs itself. Mm-hmm. Um, you can buy that up or down. It starts at 12. Habitability is how welcoming the land is in that particular realm. So if you have a poor habitability, then you're going to, it's going to be really hard for you. And you're probably going to have to spend a lot of agriculture points to stop from having a famine. Having a really high one is like being in paradise. Mm. You know, um, the food's plentiful. The ground is fertile and you can grow food easily. Um, it, it might even be other things like perfect weather. Uh, it just all depends. And those the habitability can be affected by anything from science fiction, you living on a telephone planet with nanobots in the atmosphere making everything perfect, to biblical fantasy, you know, the literal Garden of Eden, you're hanging out. Um, <laughs> so it is completely impossible. Uh, and there's it, it goes on like that. It's not a super huge amount of... Um, information you could probably build a kingdom or realm of your choosing in maybe an hour to hour and a half it's really not that hard i tried to make the entries for each of the the values and the stats as punchy as possible so it gets right mm-hmm. into your face and it's like this is what it means and if you wanted to do this it does this and that's mm-hmm. all you need to know for right now one of the things I really quite like is the the realm enhancements and limitations. It sort of leverages that GURPS, you know, advantage disadvantage kind of you know way we think um, as GURPS players, and I really quite like that. Um, was that something you sort of deliberately stuck with because it fits with the game? Was it something you just flowed naturally? Where did that come from? I originally was just going to do realm modifiers, and then. Mm-hmm. One of my reviewers was like, "Just do limitations and enhancements, dude." <laughs> Curps. Mm. Yeah, all right, fine. <laughs> I found I found that by putting them in their perspective places, it it did that same thing that I just talked about mm. with GURPS. It's very much a logical jump from here to here to here to here. Mm. Um, it just leads you places. And I felt that separating them in the end was probably the right idea because it led me different places I wasn't considering. Yeah. Uh, what I think I like about this the most is that it lets you put a entire kingdom or whatever mm. in a box, tells you what that thing can do, mm. and then gives you a way for your character to leverage the ability to call on it for help. Mm-hmm. There are not a lot of RPGs I can think of that have that sort of nesting doll type mechanic Mm. like we have a character sheet for this big organization and it can do Mm. these things Mm. you have a character sheet you bought this organization as a patron now you can call on it to do these things Mm. and that really suits a lot of fantasy and a lot of pop fiction i think yeah and one of the nice things as well is um i was looking at like the little details like the patron value for example which you know gets players will know you know if you want a character and you want to have the support of this kingdom or this realm or whatever that's the value you're going to pay in character points to have that um and i 
I like all that kind of stuff, that connection in, you know, again, as a GM, once you've worked that out, I don't have to think about it anymore. <laughs> you know, can, yeah. Yeah, I can say to my players, right, yeah, well, you want to have the Necro King of Rosarthus on, you know, as, as your ally or whatever, then, or your patron, then uh, I know what that means. Yes, and I, f- I felt that was very important when I was writing it. Uh, I won't claim that I came up with that idea on my own. That was mm-hmm. Matt Rigsby. Uh, I took I, when we were when we were playtesting boardrooms in Curia, mm-hmm. which is like realm management but for organizations. Mm-hmm. First off, I fell in love with it because I was actually writing a book to, to mm-hmm. do the exact same thing, and Matt just did it. I, I don't want to say better because that would denigrate my own skill, but. He did it in a way that was far smoother than what I had attempted. Mm-hmm. So when I pitched real management, I was like, it's going to be exactly like boardrooms and curia. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be bigger and more prescriptive to the realm rather than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I got what I wanted. It, you know, I, I've th- there's a lot of stuff that I really would like to release, uh, release for realm management. Mm-hmm. Um, when I pitched it, I actually pitched four books. Mm-hmm. And the first book was Realm Management, of course, the basic set. Mm-hmm. And then Fantasy Realms, Modern Realms, and then mm-hmm. Science Fiction Realms. Yep. Yeah, the last three would not be as big as Realm Management by far. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe, maybe not even half its size. Yeah, because well, Realm Management is, what, 52 pages, including the form on the back, which, yes. you know, I mean, it's... It's not huge, but it's a chunky tome. <laughs> it, yeah, and it's got a like I said earlier, it's got a lot packed in there. There's yeah. there's a lot of information all over this book. I, I had really good reviewers and I had really good playtesters. There was one playtester who wrote me 700 emails, 800 emails. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he made the book better for sure. Mm. But I, I would like to write three other books for it, and mm. I would like to get into some of the more nittier, grittier details. Mm-hmm. so that people who want to run it as a kind of game can do that i feel that the main book i did the right thing right i didn't make it a bean mm-hmm. counting exercise mm-hmm. i didn't want that i didn't want to write that mm-hmm. but i also feel that books that come after you should be able to make allowances for the people who want certain things i mean that's the mm-hmm. whole point of a supplementary splat book is to to cover the topics that weren't covered in the main book for people who are interested in those topics and I would be happy to do that. Um, I've got a lot of ideas. I've got a lot of notes on paper that are just kind of waiting to be fully excised from my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I need to get it to sell better and maybe convince somebody to put it on drive through RPG. Um, get mm-hmm. some not-GURP sales. That would be nice. And I have to say, this is going to sound completely irrelevant, but kudos for... The last quote, the last word in the book before the index being Wash's Stegosaurus quotation from Firefly episode one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, that's one of my favorite quotes. Uh, I had to fit it in there somehow. Yeah, that's absolutely great. I, you know that um, that opening. It's that scene, isn't it, where the, the Alliance cruise is bearing down um, just before he gets the ping. Uh, washes mucking about with those two dinosaurs and it's just <laughs> but uh, what I love is the way you've just used it in here you know like we shall call it this land um, and you can just imagine that you'd sit there statting that out now you know <laughs> know how to do that it, you, you could totally do that yes absolutely 
um, and I presume that was kind of I mean with the hegemony there that's probably some of the inspiration for sort of the science fiction side of this as well you know this started out as believe it or not um, back in 2014 this book started its life as something else um, I had, I do a lot of I don't want to call it private contracting, but that's basically what it is. Mm. People come to me for stuff for their, their campaigns for GURPS. And mm -hmm. they're like, I want to do all of this. And I'm like, okay, well, we can do that, but you got to pay me. Mm. And most of the time, people will, like 80% of the time, like, okay, well, let's negotiate a price. Mm -hmm. So I do a lot of paid um, on-spec campaign stuff for people. Mm -hmm. And this started life as a way for the the person who wanted it to be able to basically run dune right and i'm a huge dune fan so mm -hmm. um that's probably in my top five books the that particular series mm -hmm. we went back and forth on it and eventually neither of us were happy he was happy to have inspired an artist and i tried to give him his money back but he wouldn't take it mm -hmm. so it kept sitting around it's sitting around sitting around and then finally one day I was talking with another writer. I was like, man, I just need to get up off my butt and do this book. <laughs> and that that is essentially what I did. That, that I, I took the ideas that I had from that first bit and I, I I smacked it into workable format. And the you know that for me at least as a writer, this is not really realm management on topic, but mm. I write a bunch of stuff. Like you, last week. Somebody was asking me a question about a particular mechanic that I wrote eight years ago. And I was like, that was like a thousand blog posts, 10 books, and over 70 pyramid articles ago. Yeah. Not, not including anything for Patreon. It's like, I don't know exactly what I might have meant in this particular instance. I can tell you <laughs> what it looks like to me now. Mm. And that is just a hazard, I guess. I'm, I'm pretty prolific for the most part. Um, but realm management sucked years out of my life. Years. <laughs> uh, I would write it and rewrite it and write it and rewrite it. I must have had seven different first drafts um, until I finally settled on one I actually liked. Mm. And then after that, after the playtest, I, I rewrote even more. And I, the, the revision was just a mess. There were things that I missed. I took time, but I did not take enough time. And I really, mm. I really regret having to put the that particular burden onto the shoulders of Sean Punch, Stephen Marsh, and Nikki Virtus. Um, mm -hmm. I, I really miss some stuff on this one for sure. Um, but I mean, it happens. You know, you can't, you, the only thing you can do is try to be a better writer the next time. Mm. But I guess that's also the benefit of the team, isn't it? They take that, that thing you did and then they kind of help you make it into the thing it is now, which is, you know, pretty damn good let's be honest well it, thank you i appreciate that um it it's it's not bad i i don't know if i would do anything differently i i do know that if i had more space i would add stuff hmm. uh, one of the things that i did in order to make sure that everything fit that needed to fit i literally excised an entire chapter there is an entire chapter it's about seven thousand words <laughs> that I had to pull from the main document so that mm. I could fit in everything else. Cause there was just too much stuff that was brought up during the first comments by Sean. Mm. 
mm. Chuck Launch, aka Dr. Crom. And then mm. the playtesters brought up even more. And like I, I had to remove that third chapter because <laughs> I needed the space. And I regret it a little because that chapter explains some other things um, mm. that player characters can do. It was all about basically PCs running around. Mm. So maybe I can get that into shape and have it appear at one point. Mm. That's great. I just want to make sure we do the, you know, inform our listeners here. So GURPS Realm Management is on warehouse23.com and it's $10. I will stick links in the show notes. Um, but, you know, 10 bucks. Um, and I love the blurb here. I'm just going to nick it. You know, where GURPS Master Combat puts you in command of armies and GURPS Boardroom and Curia allows you to run almost any kind of organization. What about feasts? What about nations? What about galactic empires? And that's where Realm Management steps in. Is there anything you would like to say that you feel perhaps that people just haven't quite twigged about it yet? I've had a lot of people uh, play with it. Mm. Uh, there are, like I said, there are holes in the main manuscript that like, I know another author would say, like, yeah, there's problems with it. We know there's problems, but we'll go buy it anyways. <laughs> Like, it's not like a hole that we didn't know. It was like something that I had to excise that I had to leave out. Hmm. Um, but it works, and it works well. And it, it is one of the best storytelling aids I've ever come up with, and I've come up with a few. Hmm. Um, I don't know how it compares to other stuff because, as I've stated, I'm a really terrible judge of my work. Um, <laughs> but it, it works, and it works in a way that makes it so that the GM has the answers to questions like, uh, yeah, we're working for Bolivia right now. Can we get them to come down with uh, some machine guns out of choppers? Yes, you can. Absolutely. Mm. They have the, the ability to do that. Mm. Uh, can we get a bunch of paladins from the Farthar realm to, to help us in our raid against demons? Well, probably. Let me see. And the great thing is once you have written up all the realms that are in your fantasy future or modern campaign, um, mm. You don't really have to do anything to them. Like GURPS characters like that. There's not a lot that changes. Hmm. And I, I think one of the other interesting things that I put into realm management was the wheel, which is a way, it is effectively a combat system between realms. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I would like to do eventually is to have that be more compatible with boardrooms and Curia, hmm. um, simply for the fact that I built it that way and then I had to take it out because it just didn't have <laughs> enough space. I can't even begin to tell you the headaches I had excising material, good material hmm. that I had to remove simply because I just did not have the space available. Um, hmm. And I had to make several Sophie's choices there. So yeah, and it, and it works for any campaign system, uh, any campaign, excuse me, any genre, hmm. uh, any setting, um, any role-playing system really. You could use this in fifth edition as easily as you could, uh, powered by the apocalypse or what's that other really fun generic RPG Genesis or path. Yeah. Well, Pathfinder already has a system. So there's that. And the OSR has adventure conqueror King. Um, you could use something like this for cyberpunk red, Telosaurian mm -hmm. games. You could use it for your own homebrew. I mean, it, again, it's, it is a descriptive system. It is a storytelling aid. Mm. It is not, you know, I build X amount of churches. So that gives me plus three resource points. 
that that is <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that but that's detracting from i think the primary purpose of supplements for the most part which is it should build on characters or campaigns hmm. it if it detracts from either of those two then it's probably going to take up some limelight from your players and they might not like that I think like, one of the things I uh, like the thought of doing is, you know, when you start a new campaign, I'm starting a new campaign with a different system at the moment, but you start with your sort of primary, where the characters come from, kind of, you know, nation or whatever, or realm. And I think what would be really easy to do as GM with this is to sort of build that, maybe build, um, you know, the opposition. Um, and then as you sort of develop your campaign, if you're building it in a more organic kind of way, that you just add in the bits, you know, as they kind of explore and, and push out the boundaries. And what it's doing is it's helping you define those those pieces of territory and their governments and, and all the stuff. And just as you said, allows you then to leverage so many questions that players inevitably ask, you know. Um, and mm. I, for me, it's that, that is a, a practical for a GM, really nice, stable way of you know building. Right, and it it, it allows that sort of iteration. Mm. Uh, it, it that is something that I tend to do in all my work because that's how I, I run my games. Mm. I'm very much an iterative GM. Mm. Um, I build a nice, solid platform for the campaign world, and then I just build onto that as the sessions go, and I keep notes, and I you know I update my campaign bible and. Yada 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 yada. Yeah. Um, I think that one one guy that uh, contacted me and told me that he liked it. He told me he was using it not necessarily to run realms against each other, but he was using it to create the gazetteers for his his world and to have the kingdoms with the information available. So he was just using mm-hmm. his purely descriptive material. He said it worked mm-hmm. great. So yeah. he could answer questions like, "How wealthy is this kingdom?" Or how many, what's their militia like? Or do they have any special resources or skills? And he's still doing it as far as I know. That is something that I had only vaguely considered when I was writing. I was like, yeah, I guess somebody could use it like that, but who would want to? It turns out a lot of people. Yeah. Well, Christopher, thanks. It's been such a great opportunity to talk to you for you know, this evening and, and go through those um, those ideas, really. And I just hope everyone will go and at least have a peek at the product because it's great. Um, thanks for coming on the show. No problem. Um, can I plug my Patreon? Of course. Go on. So I have a Patreon for my blog. Uh, it, it basically is one of the ways that I am able to continue being creative um, all these wonderful people. And I, what I do is I give blog only entries every month. Uh, right now we're up to three and about 1500 words total. Mm-hmm. Um, this can be anything from magic spells to prayers, to monsters, to items, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you have a pool for noting or a poll rather for deciding what gets released and coming up, I will be making it so that high tier patrons get a glimpse of my look behind the curtain or my, my work behind the curtain before uh, I actually send it out. And I, I've got a campaign I'm writing right now with the intent of releasing it on the Patreon. Um, it's called a thousand tiny gods and it's effectively uh, battle Royale meets Highlander meets mythology. 
Um, you have a bunch of demigods who are competing to become full-fledged gods. And so far, it's shaping up to be interesting. I'm actually running several campaigns. I'm running three campaigns in it that are all interlaced. And it's been very, very interesting. Um, it's got it's got some stuff that I think even GMs who would not be interested in the campaign might be interested in the mechanics. Hmm. Um, and uh, again, my Patreon is Raven Penny. And, you know, it's five bucks down. Helps buy me uh, food and shelter and other fun things. <laughs> I'll make sure that the link goes in the show notes, guys. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, Christopher, thanks so much, and and thanks for, for all your work. Me. You know, you just keep going. It we uh, we all appreciate what you do, and um, yeah, thank you. Thanks, Jay. All right, I'll talk to you later. Yeah, be well. So that's about it, really. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Roleplay Rescue. Thanks once again to my guest, Christopher R. Rice, for coming on the show and chatting with me about GURPS campaigns. Don't forget, check out his blog at Ravens and Pennies. On that note, I'm going to sign off. Thank you for lending me your ears and giving this episode a go. And if you enjoyed listening, please consider sharing the episode on social media. I'm Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. See you again soon. Game on. Game on.